In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, happy Epiphany! We are finally out of the Christmas season. We ended Christmas officially yesterday on uh, Epiphany, uh, officially celebrated on January 6th, but we're allowed to transfer the feast to today, so we get to celebrate Epiphany, which means, yes, the season of Christmas is finally over, the, or better known from the song, the 12 days of Christmas. So did anyone get all the twirl, the birds from the 12 days of Christmas over the, no, no one did? Um, apparently there's a dispute as to how, like how you count all those birds up, um, if you count them every time or if you uh, count them only once. And some think that even the five golden rings refer to birds too. There might be golden pheasants, who knows. Um, but depending on how you count them, if you got all the birds, you could be the new owner of anywhere from like 23 to almost 200 birds. So I'm glad that no one got those this year, because it's a completely ridiculous gift. Um, but if you watch TV this time of year, there are a lot of completely ridiculous, over-the-top gifts described in commercials, like the commercials where you get an entire car wrapped with a big red bow. Um, I never got that for Christmas. I don't know if anyone else did. Or like we know that every kiss begins with... Okay, yes, uh, making everyone sure that you should buy some jewelry for your beloved this Christmas. And in this original story of Christmas, we, which we recounted, Mother Suzanne read in the Gospel today, there actually weren't any gifts until Epiphany, the Feast of the Epiphany, and we all know what the three gifts were. Suzanne read them, gold, frankincense, and myrrh which is an interesting choice of gifts to bring a baby. Um, probably not on Mary's Babies Are Us, you know, registry. But they were symbolic gifts. Gold is a symbol of kingship on earth, a symbol of wealth and power, and it still is that today. Frankincense is, um, is used for incense and uh, is, represents the symbol of deity. Um, some Episcopalians and other Christians use incense in worship to signify our prayers going up to heaven. Myrrh was used as an embalming oil, which makes myrrh a symbol of death, which is a really strange gift to give a baby and a mother, but perhaps Matthew's already foreshadowing Jesus' death on the cross and the embalming of his body when it's placed in the tomb to be resurrected. So these are strange gifts, completely impractical gifts. There's a joke going around that if the Magi were women, and they very well could be, we don't know the gender uh, or the number of the Magi in the scripture, they would have asked for directions, shown up on time, and brought practical gifts. <laughs> But do we want practical gifts for Christmas anyway? I had a friend growing up who would get office supplies in her stocking front, um, which the nerd in me kind of loves, but I don't know about that, that everyone loves that. And my father loves to give practical gifts, which one might imagine is not my mother's favorite quality about him. Um, but these Magi's gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they are impractical, and they are extravagant. And they, if you were paying close attention to the reading in the Old Testament, the gifts of frankincense and myrrh, of golden frankincense, excuse me, they were foretold in the reading in Isaiah. And they were foretold precisely because they were extravagant, which is actually 
actually what we often want for our Christmas presents, right? We, we want the splurge or that homemade gift from someone that took extra love and care to make it for us or that thing we've been eyeing that we wouldn't buy for ourselves. And that is exactly why the Magi brought these completely impractical gifts to the baby Jesus, because these gifts were supposed to be extravagant. So a few years back when I was on diocesan staff, I attended the Diocese of Texas Clergy Conference and got to hear the story of the Reverend Becca Stevens, who's an Episcopal priest from Nashville, and she shared the story of the organization that she runs, which is called Thistle Farms. If you haven't heard of it before, Thistle Farms is a social enterprise organization that provides a pathway to healing for women caught in cycles of sex trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. Now, this very large organization now got their start out of St. Augustine's Chapel in Vanderbilt University in Nashville with an average Sunday of attendance of about 12. Uh, Oh, but they got started over 30 years ago. The organization and the chaplaincy has grown by leaps and bounds since then, but over the years, um, everything that they have always done uh, is based around their tagline, Love Heals. Becca believes that the success of Thistle Farms is that extravagant love. The women make these lovely gifts of candles and body balms that are sold all around the world. But the women are also treated with extravagant love. They, they get that same extravagance and lavishness uh, that, the, that they put into the candles and these lotions because that's part of the healing process. It's not the only piece by any means, but an important piece. Becca wants the women to have homes of healing and care, which is often completely opposite the institutional care given to women coming out of desperate situations. She wants them to be loved extravagantly and abundantly. And these extravagant, lavish gifts are good and healing for the women served by Thistle Farms. And extravagant gifts are part of the homage due to the newborn King Jesus. These sorts of gifts are not about practicality, but about honoring someone worthy of honor. Which in today's psalm, we have an example of what these gifts and homage look like to a king. The psalmist writes about how a king full of justice is honored. It says, may the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations give him service. They bring him gifts and they serve him and they fall down literally worshiping this king with their bodies. They worship the king with all that they have, physical gifts of great value, but also their own bodies and their service. And that's the sort of homage that these magi want to show Jesus when they are looking for him. But if you'll notice, we actually have two people that want to show Jesus homage in our familiar gospel reading. We have both the magi and Herod, who say they want to honor the newborn king. But one can clearly tell from the story that Herod's homage had strings attached. He says the right things, but his intent is clearly wrong. Which brings up an important point when it comes to gift giving, especially giving extravagant gifts. It's not always given with good intent. Giving lavish gifts can sometimes be a tool of manipulation or coercion, but that's not what is intended for giving gifts. God actually models how we are to give gifts to others. God is the first gift giver. God gives us the gift of creation in the very first pages of Genesis. And our response to God's overwhelming 
goodness and gifting, our response back is gratitude. We respond to God for all the gifts that God has given us, which is really everything. We, we get our whole lives from God. So our response back is giving our whole lives back to God, which is the most lavish and extravagant gift we can give, which is kind of similar to one of one of one of the more popular offertory sentences says, which I don't know which one Miller Suzanne will use today, but um, the sentence goes, walk in love as Christ love us, loved us and gave himself for us in offering and sacrifice to God. So Christ gave himself up for us and we are to walk in love in that same way. As Christ modeled for us, we are to follow God, Christ in this extravagant way. But the good news is grace is already doing this in big and small ways. Grace is such an incredible gift to the community of Alvin each and every Thursday. You have transformed your community and continue to transform Alvin, both by feeding your food insecure neighbors, but in also how you bring together people to share your vision for what Alvin could be. And people want to jump on board for that. You all have stepped out in faith to do a thing way more extravagant than you could do on your own, but the Holy Spirit has multiplied your extravagant gifts over and over. And now people give generously because you have first given generously and lavishly, extravagantly, beyond what anyone might have imagined possible just a few years ago. And now I hear you've given away over two million pounds of food. But Grace is also giving extravagantly in small ways, like the gift that the new junior daughters of the king are giving me and praying for me, now a seminarian all the way in Virginia. Your love and care has extended across the country to Virginia and D.C. Grace gives extravagantly, just like the Magi did 2,000 years ago. So now what? Grace is an extravagant giver, but what about you personally? Now that the Christmas season is over and you've picked up the last of the crumbled wrapping paper in the corner from the gift season that we just finished, how might you share extravagantly even more gifts for your community or even farther? What gifts of gold, frankincense, or myrrh might you give from Grace to Alvin or beyond? Or how might you extend the gift-giving season of Christmas into Epiphany and into the new year? What extravagant gifts can you give to God and your neighbor? Amen. May the Lord, mighty Lord, bless and keep you forever. Granting peace, perfect peace, courage in every endeavor. Lift your eyes and see his face. Know his grace forever. May the Lord, mighty Lord, bless and keep you forever.
and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost rest upon you and those whom you love this day and always. Amen.